please turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. My heart is so full and my emotions are so spent, I do hope that there is a sermon in me somewhere. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I want to say that as a pastor and as a dad, I am so grateful to God for the many who serve our youth, and in particular serve to make youth camp possible. Thank you for serving my children and for serving the youth of the church. 2 Corinthians 5, beginning in verse 14, our sermon title is Controlled by the Love of Christ. Controlled by the Love of Christ. This is God's holy and authoritative word. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain, For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. May God bless the preaching of his word. I'm convinced that one of the better inventions of the past few decades are the the grocery carts that look like race cars. Only in America would you have a decked out sports car grocery cart, not with one but two steering wheels. This is a game changer for any parent who dares to go to the store with young children. They are entertained, they love the feeling of being in control of the cart, little do they realize, at least at a young age, that the steering wheel doesn't work. And 
It's actually not them, but mom and dad who are doing the controlling of the cart. In life, we are all like the kid in the race car grocery cart, often unaware of who or what is controlling us. What is shaping our outlook on life? What is setting the direction for our lives? A lot of people in the world today are controlled by the desire for a particular lifestyle. They are controlled by a desire to succeed. Uh, Some people are controlled by their emotions. We are controlled by money, by food, by our weight, by relationships, by appearance. One of the main points of verses 14 and 15 is that we are all controlled by something. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote these words, used to himself be controlled as a Pharisee. He was controlled by self-centered religion, by a self-righteous zeal for the law. But then he encountered the Lord Jesus Christ, and everything changed. As it has for so many throughout history who have come to know and to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Christians are not those who are morally superior. Christians are not those who somehow deserve more blessing than others. No, Christians are those who know they have been loved by Christ with a love that we do not deserve, and therefore you no longer live for yourself. You are no longer controlled by self, but you live for Christ and you are controlled by His love. The love of Christ controls us. For the Christian, the determining factor in the change that has taken place in our lives is not, I got control of my life. The determining factor is the love of Christ took control of me. We are controlled by the love of Christ. How has Christ loved us? By giving himself up to death for us. Verse 14, one has died for all. This one is the Lord Jesus Christ who died as a substitutionary sacrifice for the forgiveness of our many sins. Verse 19 says, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, making peace with a holy God, not counting their trespasses against them. And in verse 21, one of the great verses in all of Scripture, summarizing the gospel, describing the great exchange that took place on that old rugged cross where our Savior died. For our sake, God made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we, sinners though we are, we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus Christ died our death. Jesus Christ bore the wrath that we deserve for all our many trespasses and sins. He has loved us with an everlasting love. And now here's the thing. There's a lot of Bible passages that talk about the love of God. The unique thing about this passage is this. That the love of Christ is spoken of here as a controlling force that makes us new creations and compels us to live for Him. 
The love of Christ is a controlling force that makes us new creations and compels us to live for him. His great love that he has shown us in his death is a love that grips us. It is a love that constrains us, that controls us, that changes us. What is the reason Christ died? One of them is this. Verse 15, that those who live, that's you and me, might no longer live for themselves. So youth and everyone else hear this. Jesus died that you might no longer live for yourself, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. How is it that the love of Christ comes to exert such controlling influence in our lives? The idea here in 2 Corinthians 5 is not just that we try really hard to live for God because he loved us, although that is true. This, this here is an explanation of loves constraining power and there is more to it than the power of example the teaching of the text is that god has lovingly united us to christ we are joined to him so that when christ died we died with him that is we died to our old desires we died to a self-centered way of living and we have risen with him to new life. Verse 17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The love of Christ controls us because the love of Christ has worked in our lives to make us new creations. That's love's constraining power. If you are a Christian, if you are in Christ, your old life is done. The old is gone, the new has come. God has given us a new identity. He has given us a new heart, new desires, a new spirit, new joys, new sorrow over our sin, new aspirations for our lives. The love of Christ controls us. We heard, we heard stories in the baptisms this morning. Each one of these is a testimony of a new creation, a life that is now controlled by the love of Christ. Because this is what love does. It's how it transforms us. You remember Jean Valjean from Victor Hugo's Les Mis. After 19 years of prison for stealing, he's free, and there's a bishop who welcomes him and gives him shelter. And Jean Valjean is is a hardened man. He is a dangerous felon. He steals the bishop's silverware, the man who had shown him such kindness. And the police then catch him. They bring him back to the bishop's place. They are ready to throw him in chains for life. But the bishop protects him by acting as if the silverware was a gift. He saw Jean Valjean and he said, I'm delighted to see you. You must have forgotten. I gave you the candlesticks as well. And Jean Valjean in that moment is stunned. And in that act of mercy, in that act of love, he is transformed forever. That act of love did what nothing else could do in his life. He becomes compassionate. He becomes honest. He becomes a giving person, devoting his life to helping others. There is a controlling power 
to love. And when the love of Christ takes hold of us, it changes everything. We turn from living for ourselves and we see everything that we experience now. We see every relationship, we see every loss, every trial as an opportunity to honor Christ. He died and rose that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. And now here's uh, the leading application that I want to consider because it's what's here in the text. The change that will take place in our lives when we are controlled by the love of Christ and made new creations. Look at verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. What does that mean? It means that the love of Christ controls us by, in this very practical way, by changing the way that we view everyone. We regard no one according to the flesh. We regard no one from a worldly point of view. We don't go on thinking about others in terms of the values of this world. There is a, a way of thinking that supposes that this present physical world is all that matters. It is a shallow way of thinking. It is an untrue way of thinking. The primary way to tell if you are being controlled by the love of Christ if you are truly a new creation, is how you regard others. Does the love of Christ control you? Then from now on, you regard no one according to the flesh or from a worldly perspective. And first in the text, you do not regard Christ from a worldly perspective. Look at the second half of verse 16. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Notice he says we regard him this way no longer. Paul includes himself in those who once regarded Christ according to the flesh. He experienced his own change of opinion in Acts chapter 9 when he encountered the risen Christ as he was on his way to persecute Christians, breathing out threats and murder. He said, this Jesus is a joke. This Jesus is not the Messiah. He is a blaspheming fool. He is dead and soon his followers will be dead. Jesus saw him from heaven's throne and said, I'll take him. I'll take that one. And he did it to show that no one, and I want you among the youth to hear this, who feel like you're far from God, who may be far from God, who may be entirely on the outskirts, who may be not experiencing what everyone else is experiencing, no one is too far removed from his grace. Many today regard Jesus Christ according to the flesh. They say he is a good teacher. He is a good example. He is like all the other religious leaders. But they say that is all that he is. He's not really creator. He's not really Lord and judge of all. He's not God as he claimed to be. He's not alive today. And if he is, they say, he doesn't really care about the details of my life. It is regarding Christ according to the flesh. But for those controlled by the love of Christ, God has shown into our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The greatest change in my life when God broke through my rebellion was the realization that Christ 
made me, that he lives today, that he loves me, and that I owe my allegiance and my worship and all that I am to this Lord and Savior. Friends, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus, not from a worldly perspective, but for who he really is? Do you know the one whose yoke is easy and his burden is light? He is a good shepherd. He is a friend of sinners. He's one who cares for the weak and needy. He is a glorious Savior. He is a mighty King. He is my Lord and my God. He is the one who loved me and gave himself for me. He is the great reconciler between God and humanity. He is the centerpiece of human history, worshipped by millions and millions of people around the globe. He's the one who bears my burdens, the one who does not break bruised reeds, the one who intercedes for me daily, the one who is making all things new. This is our glorious Savior. We do not regard Him according to the flesh, but we trust him for salvation. Second, do not regard yourself from a worldly perspective or according to the flesh. Verse 17 is one of the great identity-shaping verses for those who are in Christ. And this should mean the world to you, and I wanted to share this verse in particular with the youth here today so that you can take this with you as you consider the change that God has worked in your lives. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. We need to come to regard ourselves, to see ourselves a certain way. There are a lot of people in the world who regard themselves according to the flesh. And that tendency remains with us as Christians. Anthony Hokima says this, The Christian life involves not just believing something about Christ, but also believing something about ourselves. And that's where so many believers, especially new believers, can go astray. He says, we must believe that we are indeed part of Christ's new creation. Our faith in Christ must include believing that we are exactly what the Bible says we are. If the butterfly sees itself as a caterpillar, it is mistaken because it is seeing itself according to what it once was, but what it no longer is. The butterfly does not continue crawling on the ground. It takes flight. And once we have been made new creations in Christ, you cannot go back to the cocoon of sin and darkness. You are, by the power of God, a new creation. You may think I am worthless, but God says you are crowned with glory and honor. You think I am powerless to change, but God says you are a new creation. You may feel like I am so unloved. There is no one who loves me. The God of all creation says you are loved and accepted by him. You may say my past defines me. My past enslaves me. God says you are not in bondage to old things. You are not in bondage to harmful habits, to destructive relationships, to past mistakes, to past failures. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Guilt is gone. Condemnation is gone. Our distance from God is gone. We are new creations in Christ. You have to see yourself that way, Christian. 
you have to, I, I talk to Christians who look at themselves and see mostly their own sin and temptation. They view themselves negatively and with great despair. And it is so imperative that we know from a biblical perspective, from God's perspective, at the center of who we are as Christians is not our remaining sin, but our newness in Christ. We are the beginning of the promised new creation. Don't regard yourself according to the flesh. And then third and last, we do not regard other people from a worldly perspective. One of the great implications of the cross we see in verse 16 is a total transformation in how we view and relate to others. Our theme at youth camp, as you heard, has been the image of God, which means that every person that is made by God, not believers only, but every person who is made is created with a special connection to God for the purpose of being a special reflection of God. John Piper says that the imago dei, the image of God, is that in man which constitutes him as he whom God loves. That's what's true of every person that God has made, and we are to see everyone and treat everyone through the lens of the love and compassion of Christ. The spirit of the age does not, does not regard people this way but regards people according to the flesh. That is based on beauty, on fitness, on wealth, fashion, all the externals. There is a worldly perspective that says the most important things about someone are their popularity, their nationality, their political party, this or that thing about them. We are to view all people as those loved by God, those made in his image. And we are to follow Paul's example in prioritizing a concern for people's relationship with God. This change in how Paul viewed others is what fueled the ministry of reconciliation that he describes in this passage. And this is the same ministry and message that we have brought to you and that we have brought to the youth of this church and will continue to bring to you. Our message to each one of the youth and to everyone here is there in verse 20. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. In other words, please realize that the most important and eternally enduring thing about you is your relationship with God. Be reconciled to God. This is what matters. This is the great priority. Make sure you have peace with God. Make sure you're trusting in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. This is an appeal that if you're not reconciled to God, be reconciled. And if you are reconciled to God, remain reconciled. And so that's where this this glorious appeal, and I read into chapter 6 for this reason, because in verses 1 and 2, you have this plea, this appeal. We appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. I read that, and there were faces of youth that go through my mind who are in this church that I pray for and this is my prayer don't receive the grace of God in vain now is the favorable time verse 2 now is the day of salvation come to Christ for reconciliation and for salvation and for eternal life the true Christian friends, is one who can say, the love of Christ controls me. 
Therefore, I no longer live for myself, but for Christ. I no longer regard Christ or myself or others from a worldly perspective. Friends, reflect on your life. Take a moment to to think about what it is that controls, that exerts influence in your life, that, that controls your choices, your desires. Christ has made you for himself. He has set his great love upon you, and in all of life, may it be the love of Christ controls us. Why? Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. I want to invite everyone to stand, and I'd like to, um, yeah, you're close enough, my young people, I want to invite you to the front here, if you can, please. I have some things I want to share with you more directly, and I prefer being closer to your faces for that, so if you can just come back up to the front again. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. Oh man, I love each one of you so much. I thank God for you. We've prayed for you. One of the things that I want, well yeah, we still got people coming here. One of the things that you need to know is that you are really, really greatly loved. Um, you are you're loved by your pastors. You're loved by your parents. You're loved by each other. One of the beautiful things for me to see is the way that you extend love and encouragement to one another. But there's a love that is the greatest love that you've received and all other loves pale in comparison to it and that is this, that you're loved by Christ. He loved you and he gave himself for you. He didn't just do that as a general thing. I want you to know he did it specifically for you as an individual personal act of love. And his desire for your life is that you be controlled by that love. It is a beautiful, it is a glorious thing to be controlled by the love of Christ. I look at the lives of young people and you know what you see? There are a lot of young people who are controlled by a lot of different things. There are a lot of young people who are controlled by circumstances. There are a lot of young people who are controlled by what other people think of them. Uh, there are a lot of young people who are controlled by anger and self-pity and sin, unruly emotions. What I want you to see in life is that there is a beauty, incredible blessing found in being controlled by the love of Christ. There's nothing better to be controlled by. <laughs> there's nothing better it's not like oh let me be controlled by this other thing it will fail you when the love of Christ controls you part of what's so glorious about that is that it then frees you from being controlled by circumstances you're set free from the things that would control you and, and ruin your life so I just want to appeal to you be con seek to be controlled by the love of Christ have that be the legacy of your life and resolve that you will live for Christ. You know, 
Here's something to say, I want to say about youth camp, because youth camp is glorious, right? It's amazing. You love youth camp? I love youth camp. Here's something. It's, it's kind of easy to live for Christ at youth camp, right? God doesn't want you to live for Christ at youth camp and then to live for self <laughs> the rest of the year. He, in fact, desires youth camp to be what sends you into now a life that is lived for Christ, that's controlled by his love, that is living as new creations. And there's been throughout youth camp ways that God's been working in your heart and in your life, saying, this needs to change. Be this kind of person. You can't go back to the old. You can't go back. The old is gone. The new has come. And so I just, I want to appeal to you. The power of God is with you. He will help you to change. And I, let me share this as well. This is just on, on a personal note. I know, there are few points of sorrow and heartbreak for me that are greater than, than this, than seeing young people raised in the church. And I've seen this very thing. I see them in, they go through Promise Kingdom. Uh, they go through Cross Culture, Youth Camp. And then at some point in high school or in college, they reject Christ, and they go their own way. And I think of that 2 Corinthians 6, the beginning of that, of receiving the grace of God in vain. And the reason it's so heartbreaking is because all of the grace that has been given, all of the sermons preached, all of the youth camps, all of the prayers, all of the conversations, it is all in vain if there is a rejection of Christ. And so I want... I want to appeal to you. I want to plead to you. That's my greatest sorrow. Do you know one of my greatest joys in life? It's all of you. It's seeing the grace of God in your lives. It's celebrating the baptisms as we did today. There's a sense in which when I look at the church, and I told you this at at youth camp, right? When people ask, how's the church going? One of the first things that I often give as an update is the youth of the church are amazing. And I want to appeal to you to have that joy be one that you continue to give to the Lord and to those in this church by running hard after him. There's something glorious that God's doing among the youth of this church. There's something, there's something incredible. There's something, there's something miraculous that God's working in your life. And you get to be a part of that. You get to be a part of what God is doing in this community, in your life. And so I just want to appeal. Yes, youth camp is over, and now now comes the days that we live for Christ, controlled by his love, viewing no one from a worldly perspective, not Christ, not yourself, not others, and you're saying, I'm going to live wholeheartedly, not for myself, but for Christ alone. Amen? Amen? I love each one of you, and I thank God for you. Let's have the band come forward. We'll sing.